Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 32. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person in ministry, whether that's informally or as a vocation. And in Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians. Today's thread is a uh, second part of the wrap-up of our study of this amazing book. I really think it's the book that has the most to say to somebody who wants to live a life of ministry. You know, servanthood is such a powerful position, if you understand it properly, because you're changing, uh, I mean, on the surface level, you're changing the mood of another person. You can change how they're feeling inside. You can, but go on through it. You can rewrite the story of their life. I mean, literally, this is how I see it happening. Uh, we go into, you know, our life is uh, missions work, and there's kids that we minister to and young people, and here's a, a child growing up in a barrio in the Philippines. They have such a limited life ahead of them and just so much defeated thinking there's so much alcoholism, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse going on around them, and their their future story is pretty much already written. It'll be the same as their the people around them, and they're gonna they're gonna be a beast of burden. They're gonna be carrying heavy stuff for people, and that's about as good as they can hope for. And you know teenagers in blue shirts go into their neighborhood from sidewalk ministries and they start engaging these kids in the name of Jesus and they they lead them to Christ and through that they lead them to a whole new way of thinking and living and the the barriers blow off their mind and all of a sudden you know they start to believe that they can be the first person in their family to go to high school and then they could be the first one to actually graduate college and you know before you know it they're out of college. They've got a good job. They're sponsoring their own siblings to go through college, too. And the entire family story has been rewritten. And you trace the whole thing back to somebody's decision to get on a jeepney and go down into a dirty, sometimes dangerous part of the city and engage people with ministry in the name of Jesus. It is beautiful. It's wonderful. And uh, it's a life I really do hope that that you aspire to. You know, I've, I pray I prayed for you today, whoever's listening to this, uh, for your life and for for God's hand on you, because the world needs ministering people. It's such a selfish world because of the fall, and every bad thing comes into this planet and affects all of us because of that self centeredness. And to become an other centered person, just you're different, and your experience of life will be different. You know, the thing that I see Paul doing, just as a background for what we're going to talk about today, you know, he's describing a person, uh, a minister, whose, whose ministry is not built on any elements of human status, not on even the excellence of their performance, the way, you know, an athlete would build their um they would build their life on discipline. You know, it's how how well did they perform. And Paul says, that's not ministry either. It's not just how hard did you try, how much education, how early did you get up, you know, your own performance as a person 
And as a minister, he said, that, that isn't where it's at. And it's not, hopefully, on even fulfilling the unmet personal needs of the minister. Because so many people pervert their ministry through all of that, you know. Their ministry really exists for them. It gives them occupation. If they do it vocationally, it, it makes people love them. And, you know, they drag all that in and they mess up their ministry. But Paul's got a whole different concept of it. And his understanding is that a ministry is formed on being, not doing. Being who we are in Christ. And that that, that relationship to Jesus is the root it's the root of our personal life. It's the root of our individual spiritual life. And it is the only reason we have impact on other people. Our connectedness to Christ. You know, our life, Paul says, is in Christ. Our favor with God is in Christ. Our strength is in Christ. Our necessary brokenness is in Christ. And most of our energy needs to be spent on that relationship, this relationship with Christ. Because it is the key to everything else that's good in the world. And then through that relationship to Jesus, when once you get settled into it, you realize he's not just come to you, you know, to help you with your personal life and to help you achieve more and make you, you know, more, better, faster person. He's come to change everything about you and to reorient your thinking away from self to ministry to others on his behalf, and he appoints us to the position of ambassador, and we become the representative of Christ to the world, and that's really what we're supposed to be about every single day, this appointment and this new job, and we, we need to develop faith in our divine authorization to do that job, and believe that, you know, God called me into this, and he's given me power, and he'll back me up, and that, that faith gives you you know, it gives you the ability to change people. And then you, you go to a level of determination that you're going to learn to walk in the Spirit. And you're going to learn to do God's work with His power and His resources. And not with, you know, the smoke and mirrors of a worldly ministry. Like, uh, I just think the Wizard of Oz was probably aimed at the church uh, as a whole concept. you got this whole big show and then you get behind the curtain and... It's just the same old things from the world, same concepts. And finally, you know, it causes us to engage in this passionate, consuming, often one-sided investment in the lives of other people for their benefit. And we do all of that in Jesus' name. And the weird thing is, instead of just becoming doormats and being people who really never lived a life because you focused on building others up, you actually... <laughs> It's, it's, it's a wonderful secret because bad people would go into ministry if they knew this. Um, when you focus your life on ministering to others, you, you have an experience of life that is so big and deep and rich and fulfilling. And if you need money, you end up with money. And whatever doors need to open, they open. And God is walking with you in living the kind of a human life that he dreamed for you. But it, it isn't just because you're a Christian. It's because you are a ministering Christian. You have become like his son in, in many ways. And because of that, we become blessable. So it's just such a big concept and a life-altering concept if you really get it. 
And uh, I just encourage you to keep reading this book. I went out yesterday and bought myself a brand new Bible, you know, because my Bible helps me, helps me understand it because I've written so much in it. And I'm starting a fresh one for the next year. And it's like, I'm going to read my Bible more again. And I'm going to read, you know, dig it out again. Okay, well, quickly, let me go through um, five or six more things I saw as I looked through Paul's book. And just as, as a way of wrapping it up. Um, number six, we stopped at five last time. Uh, a, a minister who ministers, I need better words for that, but anyhow, um, those who minister in Christ's name and do it with integrity have to, number six, choose kingdom truth and a kingdom value system in the place of worldly wisdom. And, you know, Paul talks so much about People who just follow the model of this world, and they will say, "I've heard people say, even from the pulpit, you know, this is a, we're in a, this is a business. You know, it's just like any other business. We're just doing God's business, uh, and it's not. It's not like anything else on the on the earth. And to start dragging worldly wisdom and worldly concepts and worldly ways, and believe worldly truth, and you pull that right inside the, the circle of your ministering." concepts and and the culture that you develop you just mess everything up because in order to stand with god we have to choose to stand with god and we have to choose to see the world the way he sees it and make our decisions based on his value system you know we need to reject the world's value system and paul says in chapter 4 verse 2 we have renounced the hidden shameful ways of this world. We will not mix it, you know, with with the kingdom system. We're going to live a pure, sincere life before God and man. And if it means we lose sometimes because we do that, well, we just lose. You know, we, we don't win at all costs. And Paul gives all these examples. He mentions marketing our ministry, seeking endorsements from other people and other forms of bragging on ourselves to set the stage as you step up, you know, like this long introduction that says how great you are and how wonderful and all your great achievements. And, and when, when a speaker, you know, when a speaker steps up and before they step up, someone presents this amazing long list of achievements. Here's a secret. Nine times out of 10, the speaker gave them that talk. You know, he prepped them with this, how to introduce me speech just straight from the world. And uh, we do it in the church too. Uh, Paul talks about seeking status and wanting to have status and position that puts you over people and believing that your human status gains you leadership and trying to get the leadership through human status. I'm more educated. I'm officially appointed. You know, all the, uh, I, I sing better. I, I'm smarter, faster. Paul says all this human status stuff doesn't give you spiritual authority and we'll talk about that later but the you know the choice to use human status to get your leadership instead of spiritual authority and the you know uh, a true minister is going to honor other people uh, but they're not going to honor people based on status we're not going to let ourselves become part of that system you know, paul talks about having mixed motives for our actions in the ministry because we're half in the world and trying to do a ministry thing. He talks about boasting in the outward appearance of things and in the results of your ministry and not in the condition of your heart. Uh, 
and the condition of the hearts of those uh, who are in your ministry circle. Because Paul's boast was not in his accomplishments, and he had a lot. But he boasted in the manner of living. And the manner of living that he practiced, but not just him, that his friends in ministry circle, you know, how we live. It's, uh, it's much harder to do that than to accomplish some things. You know, if you're good at just managing energy and resources, you can accomplish things. But to uh, control yourself and your choices and your attitude and your manner, wow, that's hard. But that's why we love things like crusades, because we can count. You know, you can count people, you can photograph them, you count how many came to the altar. And Paul believes that our results are due to many factors, and they're not ours to boast about. But we can take satisfaction in how we have lived our life among other people, because that is truly difficult to do. And it, it comes from within us. You know, we choose how we live. Okay, number seven, gaining big confidence in our calling and our anointing and our ability, uh, our ability to do real things in the lives of others in Jesus' name for their benefit. You know, Paul, can, um, he encourages us to gain big confidence, you know, build big confidence and believe in your calling, believe in your anointing, believe in your ability that you can change other people's lives. And he gives examples of this. He says, we are, this is a huge one, we are the smell of death. And we are the aroma of life. You know, when we just walk into a place, we bring death or life because we're not there in our own uh, place. We're not. We're there representing Jesus as His ambassador. And when we walk in, His smell is on us, and so it will either lead them to condemnation and to judgment for the life that they are living, or it will be the aroma of a life that they want and it, it appeals to them and they will follow that aroma. You know, Paul says, that's on you. If you are a minister walking in Jesus' name, called by Him, have confidence that your very presence in a place brings the, you know, this aroma of life. Uh, Paul talked, <clears throat> we had a whole episode on this one, about the, we have the ability to do spiritual war inside the minds of other people. We can break down thoughts that are holding them back through the ministry of the word in their life. And we need to have confidence that we can do that. Paul didn't say, boy, I really wish I could break it. He says, I can. We have power to pull down strongholds. Uh, Paul talks about um, also that in the battles that we've had in life and we've overcome in these battles that we receive, he called it divine comfort. But this comfort is like a Mm, it's a healing inside of us, and you need to have confidence in your ability to take that healing and give it to other people. It belongs to you now, and you can give it as often as you want to as many people as you want. I know people who have been uh, raped and had all kinds of other horrors done to them and have grown up in situations that are just heartbreaking even to talk about, but... These people have also learned to have confidence in not just their, not just how others want to hear that story, but confidence in their ability to bring change to the lives of others by sharing that story. And they've told their story over and over, sometimes hundreds and thousands of times. They tell that story because they know this thing has power. When I tell this story and then I call for people who have the same problem, 
they, you know, they rise, they move, and I can reorient their life because I have the authority and I have the ability to give away my divine comfort. So to build, that's number seven. We need to build big confidence. We need to build big confidence in our own ability to change people through our ministry. Number eight, we need to own this role as ambassadors. And Paul uses a word that we don't often use, and it's a very important word. And he says, we need to plead with people. We need to plead with people on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And I can guarantee you that all of our results will uh, explode uh, in in you know the amount of people we can impact when we plead with people you know just putting some heart in it putting emotion not to just say you know there's there's some food out there somewhere you know there's that time when your mom says come to dinner come now and she's pushing you toward the table sometimes you have to get behind people and help them understand the seriousness this isn't just one of many paths this is you know this is the healing this is the pill. You know, you take this one, you are healed. There is no other medicine. It's Jesus and his blood. And it works. But, you know, Paul says ambassadors who represent Jesus need to learn to deliver their message with passion. You know, a personal relational connection with people and passion, pleading with them on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to him. Um, uh, number nine, spiritual authority. Paul talks so much about what spiritual authority is and what it is not. You know, it's not a human thing. It is from God. Where do you get it? You get it by being authorized by God. Uh, there is an extent to your authority and you should use it all for God's sake. Use your authority. You have power from God and we all need to learn to use it. You know, Einstein, I think, said we only use 7% of our brain, and a lot of people don't use 2% of their authority. We need to use our spiritual authority in the lives of others. But there is, uh, the last point about that, there is a limitation to spiritual authority. You don't have authority over everybody, and you don't have authority over everything. You have a, a line of authority that is rightly your authority, and you need to use it. And parents have authority in the lives of the children. Don't give it up. Uh, but there is a limitation on all authority. Even if it's divinely given, it has a limit. And all of chapter 10 and all of chapter 13 is about, you know, using your authority and knowing when you've hit the end of it and stopping, not overstepping your authority because other people have authority too. And you're not supposed to meddle in places where you're in another person's uh, place of legitimate authority. Um, and then there is number 10, last point, just the example that Paul gave of the fierce love of a good shepherd. You know, he is willing to be poured out for these people. The people that are under his authority, they're his sheep and he will be poured out. He will love them. He loves them more than they love him back. And yet, that doesn't make him cynical, and it doesn't make him less likely, 
you know, to love them. He knows, just like God, you know, it's, it's a characteristic of God that he loves us a lot more than we love him. And he knows all this imperfection and vacillation and, you know, Peter who really did love Jesus. And yet there's Peter denying Jesus. And we would all, you know, we've all got these circumstances where we're just totally inconsistent. And God knows all that. And Paul knew that too about his people. And yet he loves them because he loves them in Jesus. And he loves them more than they love him. He'll, they will never love him as much as he loves them. But it doesn't make him cynical and it doesn't keep him from wanting to love them. He will, as a good shepherd, he will fight for their protection. I mean, he will go. A lot of people won't fight for the people that they protect. You know, parents know Things like, say, at school, someone's done something to your child, and then there are times that you need to let your your kid figure that out and fight their battles, but sometimes that's about a teacher and the way a teacher is treating your child, and now it's not for them to fight back, and you got to get in there and fight uh, for your children's protection, and Paul will do that. He's willing. He'll take a hit for them. He'll die on that hill. You know, I will do it. He'll suffer for them. He'll do without. He'll do without money. He'll do without, you know, the kind of life that maybe they get to live. He'll do that. He'll do it for them. And he does it all because they are God's sheep. And by sincerely loving them with agape love, that's Paul's way to show God's love. And it's the Father's way to love them through him. So, you know, he had this commitment to God's flock that was like, on this hill I die. You know, I will not give up these sheep easily and just let them be destroyed. And I, I love that about him. He was passionate about his life and confident in his power to minister to other people. And I think we, we can all take away these lessons and we'll all be better for them. Uh, I want to thank you for walking with me through this book. I think it's an amazing book, but I want to thank you just as a person to a person because you've given me um, purpose and you've given me meaning. A lot of you have written to me and you've told me, you know, the, the impact of, of this teaching and of what we're learning in the word and how it how it has helped you. And uh, that encourages me and it, it keeps me going as somebody who ministers in the word. And uh, I'm here for you. If you want to ever write me and talk to me personally, I'm I'm available. Chuck at Quinley. Dot com. I will read that myself. I will respond myself back to you. Now, I am at work on another podcast. I don't think this one's going to be a Bible study. I think uh, between Mark and Acts and 2 Corinthians, I have covered so many things that I think are just foundational for anybody in the ministry. And I would like now to turn to a kind of podcast where I can directly address the circumstances of people who are in a ministering life and who are um, maybe doing a startup of some kind of ministry uh, in a way that I can just directly point help to the circumstances I know that they're in. I've tried uh, diligently in these thread uh, season one, two, and three to stay verse by verse and let the text guide me on what I can talk about. But now I want to I want to pick my own topics, and so uh, you'll you'll hear about something coming out. But I can only talk to you if you give me your email. So if you would please, uh, wherever you're listening to this, look for the subscribe button, uh, not on iTunes, but on the website. You can get this podcast on Quinley.com, 
you can also get it at MediaLightAsia.com if that's where you're re- if that's not where you're receiving it. That this is where the subscribe button is. So click that, and that'll that'll get you to put in your email address, and then I can get back to you. It's going to be a, about two months before I can relaunch because we're at the end of the year, and it just gets crazy at the end of the year. But I'm coming back with something that I think is going to be very helpful to you and will we'll, um, we'll give us both a, a new place to grow in a new way. So that's all for now. Thanks for sticking with us throughout this study of 2 Corinthians. And don't forget to check out your free courses. Uh, if you go to MediaLightOnline.com, we've got a free course up there, Finding the Will of God for Your Life. Love for you to be super clear uh, as you enter into a new year about the direction of the Lord for your life. So this week, as always, expect God to use you as you are the light of the world. So shine on.